Greetings. My name is Scott Swanstrom, your host of Mind Redefined, Lifting the Stigma Around Mental Health. And we are continuing on in a conversation with Selena Webster-Bass. She is the founder and CEO of Voices Institute. Welcome back. Thank you, Scott. Glad to be here again. We're glad to have you. And, and this conversation continues to go deeper and deeper. We had a general conversation in regards to cultural humility in our last episode. But today we get to talk about racial stress and trauma and how it relates to mental health. But we do need to go ahead and start with our introductory question today. Selena, what is one thing that you're celebrating? So I am celebrating my daughter today, uh, Trinity. She was recently accepted to University of Florida, Northwestern University, UNC Chapel Hill, and New York University. So I'm really proud of her. And, you know, so we have lots of decisions to make around, you know, where she'll land, but just really proud of her academic achievements. Excellent. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of hard work. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of support from, from her mom. So. Yes, 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 yes. So we continue on in our conversation, and we had a, a lot of great insight in regards to cultural humility last week, and we started to tap into racial stress and trauma. Why is racial stress and trauma a relevant topic in our contemporary context? So this is an important topic because not only are we experiencing the pandemic of COVID-19, but we're also, through technology, witnessing several race-related incidents over the past few years. So from, you know, Ahmaud Arbery to Sandra Bland, Tamir Rice, Eric Garner, George Floyd. In fact, we're in the middle of the George Floyd and, and Chauvin trial. And we see the weeping and lament of, you know, many of the witnesses, bystanders of the uh, George Floyd incident on a stand. So, you know, it's it's really a topic that's affecting the African-American population, you know, communities of color. And in, even in the context of COVID-19, we've seen an increase in anti-Asian hate as well. Over the past year, there were over 300 cases of anti-Asian hate reported. So, you know, again, these incidents are not removed. You know, individuals who are part of these communities feel the stress. They feel uh, the wounds of, of these racial incidents. So what is racial stress and trauma? So racial stress and trauma refers to the mental and emotional injury caused by encounters with racial bias, ethnic discrimination, racism, and hate crimes. So for example, you know, an example of discrimination would be an individual who's in a department store and they're being followed because it's assumed that because they are a person of color that they have a propensity to crime, that they have culpability, right? And so these incidents, you know, they weigh emotionally on communities of color and vulnerable populations. They affect their quality of life. It impacts uh, one's, you know, ability to cope. And so it's really important that there's an awareness within the mental health community um, beyond just, you know, for example, adverse childhood experiences, but that discrimination also impacts and takes its toll on the mental health of, of communities of color. So there's a term that I've heard that, that seems relatively new, and it, it's a way to articulate some of the things that, that folks are experiencing. And the term is microaggression. Can you unpack maybe a working definition for us, or, or what, what does that mean? So a microaggression is subtle um, slights, indignities, put-downs of 
people of communities of color. And it can also apply to other marginalized groups, the LGBTQ population, individuals who may come from a lower socioeconomic status. But it's a put down and the put down may be intentional or it may be unintentional. So for example, a statement like, you know, you're pretty to be a dark skinned girl. So that statement alone implies that to be dark, there's something negative about that rather than being light-skinned, you know, that's something that's considered superior or something better than. And so as we talk about cultural humility and racial stress and trauma, it's important that providers, you know, are culturally self-aware and that they are examining their belief systems and their cultural beliefs and cultural biases in terms of marginalized groups. So what are some symptoms of racial stress and trauma? So racial stress and trauma can look like depression, anger, rage, rumination or recurring thoughts of the event, intrusive thoughts. There can be physical reactions to racial stress and trauma, headaches, chest pains, insomnia, not being able to sleep, low self-esteem, you know, because oftentimes communities of color or marginalized group may actually internalize the beliefs that are being imposed upon them, and even mentally distancing from the traumatic event. So avoidance is another symptom of racial stress and trauma. So we're identifying the problem right now, but our goal is obviously to find a solution or to work towards a solution. What are some liberative strategies that racially and ethnically diverse communities may use in healing the wounds of racial stress and trauma? So I call them the four C's. And the first thing I, I recommend is connecting with a culturally responsive provider, right? And not all providers are aware of racial stress and trauma or even believe that racial stress and trauma is is real. So it's important to find a provider that has an understanding of the impact of racial stress and trauma. So the first C is to connect with the culturally responsive provider. The second C is, is coping strategies. So cultivating strategies to um, support your own sense of uh, well-being. So breathing and meditating, you know, even the transfer of generational knowledge to your children, like cult instilling cultural pride is one way that we can address racial stress and trauma. The third C is creating community, right? Finding your village, you know, finding supports, creating a support system, whether it's through your faith community or your church or synagogue, your uh, mosque, you know, whatever your belief system may be but finding that village that can support you in a positive way. And then the fourth C is collective action. You know, there's also healing in peaceful protesting and actually, you know, being socially conscious about the cause and, and doing something about it, whether it's advocating for a policy or expressing your voice, using your voice to make active change. And, you know, and here are a few questions that you may just want to ask yourself in terms of supporting your own liberation. One is, you know, am I bringing consciousness to my community about the state of their mental health and the compounding trauma uh, that racial stress and and trauma may have on the community? Am I taking steps to ensure my family is checking in on their mental health? And then am I taking time to make sure my health is a priority? So it's important that we, you know, think about ourselves, our families, and even the larger community as we address these issues. So if someone wanted to learn a little bit more about the services and resources that are available, where would they find more information? 
Well, one, they can uh, visit voicesinstitute.org, voicesinst.org. That's my website, as well as mentalhealthnational.org. Uh, that's mentalhealthamericanational.org backslash uh, racial trauma dash trauma. And then, you know, if you're interested in learning more about allyship, that's also a very important part of this work. Everyone is part of a marginalized group, but everyone can do something. So whether it's learning about the history of marginalized groups, whether it's using your voice and your privilege to speak out against racism and discrimination, or whether it's just being a good listener, you know, listening to the lived experiences of people and validating those experiences that many communities of color experience. Selena, thank you so much for that. And uh, we really appreciate your insight and just kind of pulling back the curtain on what's going on in our community and in our world today and how we can make it a better place to live. Thank you again. Thank you, Scott. It's been a pleasure. 